Are we on? Okay, there we go. All right. All of us hunger for loving, gracious, honest relationships. You know, the kind of relationship with another person that provides love, acceptance, guidance, patience as needed. The kind of relationship that provides protection and refuge in stormy times, strength and encouragement for those difficult journeys of life. We all need these kinds of relationships. We want that kind of relationship where the truth and nothing but the truth is spoken with love, even though it might hurt. This is the kind of relationship that the Apostle Paul had with the Christians at Corinth. He had the joy of leading many of them to Jesus Christ. He had the privilege of teaching them God's truths. And as a result, he became their spiritual father. As their spiritual father, he had a difficult task. Yet, it is an essential one. And so it's something that we should look at carefully, all of us. And we should also remember that Paul's model of spiritual parenting is one that is worth imitating and one that will help us fulfill the various roles that God may call you and I to in our walk with God. As we look into this, I want to direct your attention to the fourth chapter of the book of Corinthians. We have been in the book of Corinthians, and we now arrive at this particular point. As I was beginning to do this, um, prepare for this sermon, uh, if you allow me, I got a little bit excited. I got a little bit excited. Because I think it strikes at a subject that's very dear to my heart. And that is the subject of spiritual parenting. Parenting as a whole, but specifically spiritual parenting. parenting. I think that there's so much that the Lord wants to say to us, especially at these times, as we begin for another transition. As we begin to look forward to the coming of our new lead pastor uh, Pastor Ian Bunton. And so I think God has a lot to say to us. But before we start, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for not leaving us in the dark, but Father, constantly and continuously guiding us, taking us step by step in the journey of our lives. And thank you, Lord, for showing us what things are important. Thank you for showing us how they must be carried out and what is expected of us. And Lord, we will always give you thanks and praise. And Father, we look forward to what you have to say to us today about spiritual parenting. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this chapter, Paul clearly gives to us four roles or responsibilities of a spiritual parent. All right? Of a spiritual parent. And the first one is found in verses 14 through 15. He says in verse 14, he says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were, have, if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And so it, this first part in verse 14, what Paul is saying is he's laying down what he wasn't trying to do, and then he goes on to say what he was trying to do. And this is really important to us, if you look at this carefully. 
He says, look, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. But rather, I am trying to admonish you. Now, most of us have a very negative idea of what admonishing means, all right? If we have a choice between being told something and being admonished, we would choose being told something, right? Because admonishing means to warn, and it also means to correct. Correct wrong behavior or attitudes. It's a continuing action here. All part of the job description of parents. Parents... We are, we, it, it comes with the job. It comes with the territory. We are to warn and correct our children as needed. And sometimes it is needed. And then he goes on to say, as beloved children. I thought this was really ingenious. I thought this was Paul unmasking his heart to us. He calls them his beloved children. Why? Because it is important. It sets the tone of what he's about to say. Paul doesn't hate them. He doesn't resent them. He's not, in the, in a, he's not on a tirade. He's not trying to bully them or anything. He just says, my beloved children, he says. So that shows us that what he's about to say is important. And he says, I know that it might not be easy to understand, but I have to be firm with you. You are my beloved children. How you feel about a person will be reflected in your tone of voice and body language. After seven children, I learned that quickly. I had to be really careful how I said things to my children. And so, in the same way, Paul does this as he calls them his beloved children. Then he goes on to tell them why he is doing this in verse 15. He uses the term countless tutors. Countless tutors. Now, what's this word tutors? The tutors was a term used for a trusted slave who was uh, put in charge of the children of the master. And this slave had a specialty. His specialty was sometimes to teach the children his lessons. Maybe it's Mets, maybe it's English, maybe it's his language, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. He would do that, but he also would make sure that the child gets to his teachers, his lessons and things like that. He watches over them, all right? And so Paul says, look, look at your history. He says, you've had many tutors. You've had many people watch over you. You've had many people teach you and make sure that you are taught. But, but, he says, you do not have many fathers in Christ Jesus. I became your father through the gospel. You only have one spiritual father or parent. In other words, through my ministry of the gospel, you were saved and built up in the faith. I have become your spiritual father through the gospel. That's a wonderful experience. I've had the privilege of, doing, of, of being in that position with people. Watching people come to Jesus Christ, they hear the gospel. What is the gospel? They hear that, fa- that fact that uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They hear the fact that the, the, fact that the, the wages of sin is death. They hear the fact that in that while they were sinners, Christ died for them. He died so they didn't have to die. Okay? 
And then they were to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I've had that privilege. I've had that joy, not only in my own life, but in the life of my children, in the life of some of my relatives. You know, and it can't be beat. It can't be beat when you see this happen in the lives of people. But then Paul takes it even one step further, and he says, I have be- that has made me become your spiritual father. And some people would say, oh boy, I don't like that term, spiritual father, because it sounds like he wants to control my life in some way. But the apostle Paul was quick to clarify this in his second letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, Verse 24, he talks about this. Not that we lord it over your faith, but are workers with you for your joy. For in your faith, you are standing firm. Paul's intent on being the spiritual father of the Corinthians was not to call the shots, not to dominate them, not to push them around or anything like that. But it was to make their joy full. And so... That's what he was trying to do. When I came to GBC in 2009, I walked right into the 50th anniversary. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Was that a grand celebration? And I was so glad to hear the testimonies and see the videos of Grandpa uh, and Grandma P and all that they meant to the church and the two missionaries before them who were working in the compound Salat area. It was a wonderful I had a crash course in the history of GBC. All right? And it was wonderful for a newcomer like me to see that. Why? Because I saw the, the parade of pastors and ministers of bygone years at GBC. I saw them as spiritual parents and grandparents to generations of believers at GBC. But I was also privileged to see and to hear the names of those people who served as faithful Sunday school teachers. Those people who served as care group leaders. Those people who served as ministry leaders, and so on and so forth. And people who didn't even have a title. And yet, they served as spiritual parents to so many believers at GBC. That's what it means to be a spiritual parent. From time to time, children have to be warned and corrected about bad behavior and attitudes in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm as well. And this is all done, why? It is done to, in order to prevent and to avoid bad consequences that may happen later. Spiritual parenting sometimes involves warning and correcting our spiritual children. And so it's an important role. Now, it goes on from admonishing to another uh, role that spiritual parents have. So secondly, spiritual parenting involves being a good example all the time. This is found in verse 16 through 17. In verse 16, he says, Therefore, from, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Therefore, I exhort you to be imitators of me, he says. Now, I've always been puzzled by that. I said, man, what? 
this guy really has got his, his, his mind in the wrong place. He's telling people to copy me. If, I, if Apostle Paul was here, the Apostle Paul would say something like this. He would say, do as I say and also do as I do. That's what Paul would say. Paul was not afraid. He would tell it like it is. He says, be imitators of me. And he clarifies this. We, we, we have a clarification of what he meant by that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, when he says this, be imitators of me just as I also am of who? Christ. So Paul was not patting himself on the back. He was not building himself up. He was not saying, be like me, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. He says, as I am of Christ. As he imitates Christ, we ought to also imitate him. This was not an arrogant or conceited statement in any form or fashion. Paul was a tremendous spiritual parent. And that's why in verse 17, he says what? He says, for this reason, because I want you to be imitators of me, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved, faithful child on the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ. There he goes. He qualifies it again. Just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul was amazingly consistent in what he taught and how he lived. He did it everywhere and in every church that he, he went. Not many of us can say that, can we? But he could say this. This is what he was doing. And Timothy was one of those who copied him. I, again, I, I'm, I'm so glad God called me to work with people, you know. Uh, I know people sometimes say, you know, about the ministry, this wouldn't be a bad thing to do. This is not a bad job except for people. But, you know, people are the heart and soul of ministry, you know. And I'm always learning something new. What did I learn? I learned that even though we have fantastic, fantastic technology, our phones have unbelievable cam uh, cameras now. Our, our, you know, the technology, the, the uh, MRIs and the CAT scans and all that, they can see things that could never be seen before and all of that. We have copy machines that can make unbelievable copies of pictures and documents and paper. But did you know that none of them can compare with a child and what he copies from his parents? It's I'm blown away by what I have seen many children where I look at them and I say, wow, they're just like their dad. Wow, they're just like their mama. You know, wow, they're just like whoever, you know. Children have this wonderful ability to copy, to mimic uh, and replicate their parents and other loved ones. And they do this not only in their mannerisms, not only in their manners, but by the values and attitudes and personality that they have. And so Paul knew what he was talking about by being a good example. Paul was not going to rely upon any one thing. Paul says, I want to make sure that people saw right before them what they're going to get. And so this is why spiritual parenting involves being a good example 
all the time, every time, everywhere. So that's the first and second. The first is admonish. The second is being a good example. Now, what's the third? The third one is found in verses 18 through 20. Now, there has to be a correction in your Sunday bulletin because when I typed it up, I missed out on verse 18 to 20. All right? And so the spiritual parenting involves resting in the power of God continuously. Perhaps a better way of saying resting in the power of God is recognizes and relying on the power of God. It is having the power of God continuously working in our daily lives. If you read verse 18 to 20 in the New American Standard Version, you might get distracted and you might get confused. So I looked up, looked up the same passage in the New International Version, and I'll give you this one. It says, Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not matter of talk, but of power. What kind of power was uh, Paul talking about? All right, What was this power that he was talking about? He refers to the power of God often in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. The gospel has a way of changing lives and impacting lives and affecting lives. And that's what he was talking about. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, Paul said this, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the very power of God. So what was he, what's this power that Paul was referring to? He wanted to see the power of God as it comes through the word of God, the preaching of the gospel, and it changes and affects lives. When this happens... God's, work, God's transformation of us is clear. It has to come from the heart. It has to come from our very lives. It, it takes root. It takes uh, residence up in our lives. And it allows us to live as we can never live as before. As spiritual parents, we can talk and talk. But when the power of God is at work in our daily lives, the impact and results on others is tremendous. How can the power of God be seen in your life, your life, your life, and my life? How can it be seen? For example, the power of God is seen when we overcome stubborn and long-standing sins in our lives. I don't know about you, but I have long-standing sins in my life, and God is working through those. And I've made progress on many of those. Not all of them, but many of those because of the power of God at work. The power of God is seen when our thoughts, interests, passions, and passions are directed more towards pleasing God than pleasing ourselves. (laughs) You know, let's admit it. For some of us, 
Job one, priority number one is pleasing ourselves. <laughs> That's all we care about, all right? But when the power of God is at work in your life and mine, suddenly the focus changes. The focus changes. The power of God is seen when we become more like Christ. We become more like Christ. You know, I know that as a pastor and being here, uh, being your pastor and having occupied some time on this pulpit, I know that I've always encouraged the people of GBC, please, please, don't just learn about Christ, but live like Christ. I've tried to share that with you. And I know that sometimes it goes over deaf ears because we say, oh, just too much work, too hard, too, you know, too, 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 too. You know, we got plenty of twos, all right? But what happens here is that God is serious about making us more like Christ. And he gives us his power in order to do it. Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, in the latter part of that chapter, it's almost like a Reader's Digest version, a quick version of what he wants us to be like. And when you read that passage, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 to 21, you see many extreme and very difficult areas of our life. That he wants us to overcome. For example, I just took the passage and I pointed out a few of them. Be devoted to one another. Give preference to one another. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Persevering in tribulation. Bless those who persecute you. Do not be haughty in mind. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Be at peace with all men. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, you take any one of those statements, and it's obvious, it is clear as a bell, that none of us can accomplish those things without the power of God in our lives. And that's exactly what Paul was shooting for here. Just don't talk about being like Christ. Be like him. By the power of God at work in you. And he wanted to come and see these arrogant people who were teaching and saying, follow us. We've got the right way to go. And all of those things. And he wants to say, I want to see the proof of the pudding. I want to see the power in your life. Why? Because the kingdom of God is more than just words. It is the power of God at work in our daily lives. So, spiritual parenting involves having the power of God continuously at work in our daily lives. Now, you hear this, and you see this, and you say, hmm, I'm not sure I'm cut out to be a spiritual parent. Sounds good. I maybe would like to try, but I'm just not real confident that I can be there. Well, hang on to your seats, because when he gets to the last one, it even gets more difficult. Spiritual parenting involves admonishing our beloved children. It means being a good example. It means resting in the power of, of God continuously. And it also involves one more thing, perhaps the most difficult of all. And that is spiritual parenting involves disciplining. Disciplining, if necessary. There was much sin in the church at Corinth. Corinth was not a perfect church by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he spends so much paper and ink telling them what they ought to correct. It's unbelievable. 
but that's who they were. Paul had written to them before. Did you know that? Paul, this, was another, this was another letter. He had written to them before. In fact, he had addressed all kinds of things, but they just ignored him. They just ignored him. It got so bad that the leaders of the church and some of the members of the church personally went to Paul and visited him, seeking counsel how to deal with these things. And yet nothing seemed to change. This was obviously a time for discipline. Addressing the matter in the church, Paul was giving them a choice, he says, in in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, uh, 21. He says, what do you desire then? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? And what he was doing there, he was giving them a choice. He says, I'm a coming. Watch out. I'm coming. I know there's some of those out there who, who are so arrogant and so haughty that they say, nah, Paul won't dare show his face around here again, you know. And, but he says, I'm coming. And when I come, do you want me to come with a rod or do you want me to come with gentleness, love and gentleness? He gives them two ways. Now, as I read this, I kind of read it through the eyes of a parent, okay, with children. And, you know, fatherhood, there's a lot of perks, you know, like when they get married, you get to walk them down the aisle, you know, stuff like that. You know, when they go off to college and they get a job, you know, you get more money in your own account, you know, stuff like that. There's, there's perks for being a father, right? And so what happens here, there are parts of being a father that are less pleasant to me. And probably the least pleasant of all is having to discipline my children. Okay, I mean, I would have prayed and wished that God gave me perfect children, just like you have, all right? But God didn't do that. He decided he's going to give me the ones I have. And so I had to discipline them. It is painful. It is easy to be misunderstood, but it has to be done. But we must be careful to understand that children respond to different forms of discipline, I have seen children who are strong-willed, and the rod is the only way to get through to them. (laughs) Know any of those? (laughs) I've seen them. And then I also have met children who respond well to love and gentleness. And so whatever way works, then we should apply it. We should apply it. And so this is what God has, has prescribed for us as spiritual parents. Sometimes we have to apply spiritual discipline. And how does he do this? Well, he gives us guidelines. Like, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 to 13. We'll cover that next week. Or Matthew 18, 15 through 18. He gives us guidelines. He gives us a way to approach this thing and to do it right. Spiritual parenting involves disciplining our children by the correct means as necessary. Okay, now, you say, Pastor... This is four points instead of three. You're out of time, all right? Well, that's why I rushed through the first four, all right? Because I wanted to get to this last part. And the last part is this. How will or how can all this change how we think and what we do? How does it happen, all right? Well, let me put it this way. It has been observed that there is a crying need for spiritual fathers and mothers in the church of God. To put it another way, there are many orphaned believers 
in the church today. In our rush to build our churches, to build the numbers, to build the seating capacities, to build the budgets, to build the reputation, we've left a lot of young believers orphans. They're left to fend for themselves. Hence, there is a huge, huge cry for spiritual parents, spiritual fathers and mothers. Will you be one of those? Will you be one of those? Well, you say, I got my hands full of my own kids. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got my hands full of my own responsibilities. I, I can't. Well, Paul was a pretty busy guy, but he found time to adopt the whole church. Incredible. We're not saying that you have to take in every, every child of faith. But if each one takes one, we are far better off as a church. We talk about being a disciple-making church. How can we be a disciple-making church? We'll take we'll be all these fancy strategies and posters and slogans and all this kind of... Uh-uh. It's going to be one person, each of us, being willing to be a spiritual parent to one believer and bringing them along. What else is, how else will it affect us? Well, we do know that God wants the community of believers, his churches, to be bold, to be bold. And we can be. How? By seeing ourselves as spiritual parents, being bolder about helping people come to faith in Christ, by sharing the gospel in a kind and gentle but firm way. By taking advantage of the opportunities God gives you to share the good news, by taking what all that we have been taught in seminars, DS, sharing, and living the good news among our family, friends, and classmates and coworkers. We've got to be bolder on that. If there's probably one regret that I have um, in my term here, is that I have not encouraged you to be bolder about the gospel. That's my fault. Okay. I'll pay for it when I see God and stand before Christ. But the point is that we need to be bolder about sharing our faith and bringing people to Jesus Christ. We can also be bolder by seeing ourselves as spiritual parents by confronting sin, ungodly ways of thinking and behaving. Now, can I share something with you a little bit? I know you're still wondering who I'm going to vote for, Trump or Clinton or somebody. Just kind of get that out of your mind for a minute, all right? But I'm going to make an observation, okay? Like much of the world today, the culture and society of Singapore is changing at light speed. At light speed. It's amazing what is happening here in Singapore. And I don't mean by just buildings, brick and mortar, I'm talking about the culture, the society. Singapore is not the same generally conservative, traditional family values kind of society I first saw when I arrived in 2009. All right? Sin and sinful lifestyles are coming out of the shadows and being championed in the classroom and all the way into the boardrooms. And this is by testimony of people in our church. It's not me. It's just people in the church. 
natives, locals. That's what they're saying. Increasingly, churches around the world are having to deal with church discipline issues that range anywhere from false teaching to blatant immorality to excessive displays of pride and arrogance and more. All right? We can't just sit back and say it's business as usual, folks, because it ain't. I know that's not correct English. It is not. All right? But that's what's happening here in Singapore, right before our eyes. And the church is going to have to rise up to this challenge by being gentler, kinder, and bolder about the word, will, and ways of God. Will it be easy? Of course not. People will point fingers at us. People will say things about us and so on and so forth. Okay. But we're not here to please people, are we? We're here to please God. And so this becomes important. So being a spiritual parent then is woven into the very nature of the church. This is how things are done. This is how things get done. Spiritual parenting is essential to strengthening the current generation of God's people and raising up future generations of devoted followers of Christ. Spiritual parenting involves admonishing, being a good example, relying on the power of God and disciplining as necessary. Now, if you are up for spiritual to be uh, if you are up for being a spiritual parent, start now by committing to be a spiritual parent by sharing the good news now and or adopting children of faith and parenting them. I'm not going to do this because I know some find it very uncomfortable. But if I were to do it, I would ask you all to bow your heads, and then I would ask, how many are willing now to be a spiritual parent? And I would ask all those who wanted to be and committed to be a spiritual parent to raise their hands and to put it down. And then I would say, I would pray for you. But you know, but you know, that's what's needed today in the church of God. Spiritual parenting, then, is something that we cannot ignore and that we should not ignore. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you have designs for Grace Baptist Church that we cannot even begin to imagine. You are gathering together a team of people under the leadership of a very able pastor to come and help us to be the kind of church that you want us to be. One that is gentle and kind and yet firm and one that is bold and courageous. While we don't know what lies ahead, you do. And even now, you are preparing, you are gathering the pieces together in order to help us be that church that you want. I pray, Father, 
that amongst this grand congregation, this great congregation called Grace Baptist Church, that, Father, they will, we will become a generation of spiritual parents, that, Father, we will take personal responsibility for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and we will see them through for as long as we are needed to see that they become true disciples of yours. Father, may it never be said that at GBC there are believers who have been left behind or that there have been believers who are orphaned and on their own. May we rise up to the occasion, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.